Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Steve. How's it going, Steve? Going well. It's it's our it's our Larry Cohen weekend, so uh, it, it it's good. We I think we've covered the good, and now we have this. Yeah. Um, cue the winged serpent, which is uh, Larry Cohen describes it as his best movie, in his opinion. That's which is fucking batshit. No, I'm like, no, Larry. I'm no, like, man, no, Larry. Especially when you look at your 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 oeuvre, if you will. This is how is this how is this your number one? How is a movie that you took so little time to put together your number one film of all the films that you've developed and gotten to this point? How is the stuff not your number one? I mean, I think for me, it would probably be. Maniac Cop 2. Mm-hmm. But that's just a personal choice. But, uh, yeah. This movie is it, it's definitely not as well produced as some of his other movies. And you can tell there's a little bit lacking. But, I mean, it still has some cool things in it. But, yeah, I, I definitely did not like this as much as the stuff. No. Uh, no, far. not at all. Um, the official summary of Q the Winged Serpent a fleeing gangland flunky finds the New York nest of Aztec deity Quetzalcoatl. I butchered that. A man-eating flying serpent. There you go. That's this movie. <laughs> I mean, it's literally in the title, Cue the Winged Serpent. Right? You know, and it's like... There's... there's I, I feel like there are a lot of, like, missed opportunities in this one. In... In... The in in I guess the way that Larry Cohen decided to go in different nonsensical directions with it, like there is literally like a five minute long jazz piano scene in this movie. Like it felt it might not be five minutes long, but it felt so fucking long mm-hmm. uh, of Mor- Michael Moriarty playing that piano, yeah, in that bar with that dog laying on the floor and everything. Like I don't I don't even understand that scene. Doesn't it like I, end with like someone just putting on other music? So they're like, "We're done with this." Yeah. Like, yeah, I think yeah, that was, and that was real too. Like, that probably wasn't even like part of the script. They're probably like, "Yeah, we're done, Michael. Like, we don't want to listen to your piano." He's like, "No, I got more. I got more." They're like, "No, we're done." Yeah. <laughs> His performance is fucking insane in this movie. I can't even, I can't even quantify it whatsoever. Is it bad? Is it good? Is it? It's necessary almost, i don't think I, it's like on a quality level the same as nick cage but it reminds me a little bit of nick it, cage. yeah i definitely had many thoughts about nick cage and nick cage's more gonzo performances and being like is michael moriarty one of the templates for an actor like nick cage i could see it he he has to be in but at a certain point like a large part of moriarty's career is, is 
is predicated on like a straight shooter character. Mm. So I don't know, like Larry Cohen obviously didn't see him as that type of actor and it constantly credits credited him as the greatest actor that he'd ever seen and, and, and an actor that he was almost nervous to approach when they first met. And it's like, I don't know. It's so it's, it's, it's strange to say the least. Yeah, it really is. And like, I don't know. I, I, it, well, we didn't really talk about some of the stuff, but like when I was growing up, like, we lived pretty close to Michael Moriarty and like where he lives. Uh, mm-hmm. and like, we all knew him and it was obviously like, I had no idea he was an actor or anything. Like he was pretty quiet about that stuff. But then later on in life, I found out he was in law and order. And then later I found out he had the movie career and I'm like, man, this guy was like just living like doors down from us this whole time. And, yeah. Uh, even now, like, you know, like he knows me at least to some degree. I mean, he's not, fully mentally there like he used to be but like at the same time too like yeah he, he recognizes some people and stuff and like i even asked him i'm like do you want to come on and talk about this and he's like nope like he even said he's like i i don't talk about my acting career anymore like that's done and i'm like that's that's fair but it's I... interesting that like he did he did he was pretty popular for a while like this and yeah stuff and then later law and order like if it wasn't for like whatever like he got into some political nonsense or whatever in the 90s like like basically got him excommunicated from hollywood but like yeah up until then like he was pretty big up and comer well and and there's still a a big contingent of, of classic horror fans and classic film fans that still i i think um hold his career in kind of a high regard and stuff so um and and everybody loves a fucking renaissance you know what i mean everybody loves a comeback everybody loves shit like that um but yeah i think he's just far too gone i mean even even my wife told me a story about encountering a drunk michael moriarty at long and mcquaid years and years and years ago and like yeah man there's all the all the in the wild stories in the lower mainland are not good no like well like we all live what he's done since he's quit acting is kind of problematic i mean what mm-hmm. part of it is the drinking what part of it is his mental issues what part of it is just whatever like that's the part that i i'm not fully comfortable talking about because i always kind of feel bad because i know he suffers from some mental illnesses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i'm also like well if you're drinking too like a that's probably not enhancing things and b it's probably making things a whole lot worse but yeah that's uh he's he still like shows up in a few movies here and there like i know he was in um like some miniseries and stuff like that here and there he still Mm -hmm. does do some stuff but like i remember he was in troll the 86 movie i don't know if we're ever going to talk about troll or troll 2 on this podcast i hope not to be honest uh, (laughs) yeah i'm not too 100 percent pumped on those movies whatsoever no but he was the the dad in that from what i recall so yep and i i think that of all the movies he's done the one that we talked about in the last episode the stuff is probably my favorite of his movies although in cue the winged serpent he's clearly like more unhinged and uh it it makes for a more interesting performance and i don't think a more interesting movie but 
his performance in this alone is pretty pretty wild. So. Absolutely, it's unhinged. It is like I, I I wonder if they. A lot of times I'm feeling like he just he just uh, they just turn the camera on and let him go. Yeah. Um. So yeah, what was the first time you watched this movie? I uh, probably am my or my original Larry Cohen binging in the in the two thousands at some point. Definitely way later, and I I didn't remember a lot of it. So when I rewatched it this time, maybe I blocked it out because <laughs> I really, I mean to 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 sell to to kind of give away the what I'm probably going to rate it is like I didn't like it. <laughs> I definitely yeah. didn't like it. And I mean, there's nothing. I don't know. It, it it it's so fleeting in everything it tries to do that nothing comes across as effective at all. Yeah. Um, I watched it back on like TV back in the day, and I think that was like one of the first times I realized that, like, yeah, Michael Moriarty was an actual actor. Like, I was not a big Law and Order fan growing up. I think. Yeah, for obvious reasons. I think as a kid, like you're just like, eh, I'm not really into Law and Order, but mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because they actually put a bunch of it on Crave, and I've been rewatching, or I've been watching some of it now, and like, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of into Law and Order now. Like, I'm at the age now where Law and Order is more appealing to me than it was when I, when mm-hmm. it first was airing. So, um, yeah, it's all on Crave now, right? So yeah, um, yeah, you can get it all pretty much. Yeah. Like I know the first few seasons are not on there, but like there's a good bulk of the seasons are up there now. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the movie was on, and I just remember being like, "Hey, it's it's Michael." That's strange. Um, but yeah, I watched it on TV, and the thing is, it was one of those movies I forgot the name of it. I knew of the movie, but I never, I didn't know the name of it for the longest time. And uh, I was trying to remember it for ages until finally I watched uh, an episode of Joe Bob and he did uh, cue the winged serpent. And I was like, hey, I know this movie. This is a movie that I totally forgot about. But yeah, so. How, and uh, now I, I now I ask the question of what were Joe Bob's thoughts on this? Like, how did he. I don't know, because cause, I, I mean, he has this reverence and love for them. So how does he sugar this one up? I think he was mostly like treating it like the actors and um, uh, Larry Cohen. Like I think he was saying like this is not like their best performances or anything, but he was kind of like, yeah. expecting like, hey, look at who's in this. Like, there's a lot of really cool people in this. But also at the same time too, it was basically like, yeah, this is. This is this wasn't the greatest Larry Cohen work, but yeah. Um, but unfortunately, uh, for some reason, Shutter seems to remove um, these things from uh, Shutter every so often. There's like missing episodes. Yeah. Now, so because I had to YouTube this one. Uh, I mean, uh, the stuff I was able to watch on Shutter, even though. Uh, uh, Kevin from our last episode told uh, told me yesterday when I was watching it that um, he was watching it on Tubi and it's in high high def on Tubi. Yeah. 
um i was like oh what are the ad breaks he's like every half an hour it's not too bad but it's the just i i found it was a better i started watching it on a shutter and i just didn't like the quality so i went to tubi and it was just much better yeah. so but uh it did tubi didn't save my progress because i had to stop it oh and then nice. go back and it didn't save my progress so then i just went to shutter and fast forwarded through to where i was at fair um but yeah, Joe Bob mentioned like all the character actors that are in this because there are quite a few character mm-hmm. actors in this. Um, you know, not the least, which is Michael. You've also got Richard Roundtree in this too. Yeah, Richard Roundtree, and that that really, really made me giggle that that he that he's in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because this was after his success with Shaft and everything, so it was like, yeah, I was I was kind of like, wow, yeah. I. I completely forgot that he was in this one and the other one that makes me laugh is um there's a usual mafia actor uh john capadice that's in this um he's a a very recognizable italian american character actor uh and i mean and he was also in like ace ventura speed independence day jacob's ladder like he's been in a bunch of stuff too um but he's one of the thugs that uh, that uh, Moriarty's character essentially leads to his death mm-hmm. in one of the most ugh, stupidest scenes in the entire film where he bring, basically brings two thugs that are trying to shake him down to the nest of the winged serpent. And they, they just follow wherever he wants to go. Go climb up that ladder. Go climb up that one. Oh, your friend's gone. Oh, well, I'm going to go check on him. No, I'm going up next. And it's just like, holy shit, man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of emails for this. Let me double check because I also did not expect that many, to be honest. So. Uh, not for this one, no. For the stuff, more sh- more so, I, I would assume. But uh... I'm just doing a quick email search because I did not look this up ahead of time. I apologize, listeners. Um, oh, uh, John says, if you are a fan of, of Larry Cohen, I recommend watching King Cohen, a solid documentary. It's on Shutter. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, I, I should see that one. I've, I've always seen it on there. I just never get around to it. But now that I'm done all the... And I've rewatched all the In Search of Darkness ones. Yeah, I'll grab that one because I I love a good film documentary. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even know that existed, but I'm kind of curious to check it out. I mean, Larry Cohen's great. I yeah, like I said, he in the last episode, I, I mean, he's very comparable to Roger Corman for me. Yes, he's very much like a working director. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh. Oh, uh, Gina says, I remember watching this or seeing this movie's cover as a kid growing up in a video rental store. So one day when I rented it and I finally watched it, I realized that it's absolute garbage and the cover is nothing like the movie itself. Well, yeah. Well, it, it, it's almost like the cover is playing on, and it's funny because I posted, uh, as we're recording this, I posted a, a movie that's almost in the same genre yesterday where. Um, the 80s, the late 70s and, and, and 80s were a lot about those fantasy action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, your legends and the one I posted about yesterday, The Sword and the Sorcerer and, and, and uh, Crawl and, and shit like that. And it feels, if you look at the poster, it feels like Q is really trying to pull on that. I mean, you have 
Um, that's, that's the thing. It's not a winged serpent that's in the poster either because this thing has arms and legs. Yeah. Like, but it's really trying to pull on that dragons, Dungeons and Dragons type of storyline. But when you rent the movie, fuck, it's nothing like that. And you never get a good, clear indication of what the creature looks like anyway. So it's like, yeah. it's all kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Good marketing, I guess, because it yeah. marketed a terrible movie to look way better than it was. 100%. I think that's, yeah, the gist of it is like, yeah, I think the poster definitely sells it as a better movie than it actually is. Um, although, Wyatt says, uh, I love horror movies that are pure cheese, like the ones in the late 70s, early 80s. I, and then says, I liken this to other stuff, like the stuff, which we just covered. It's alive and basket case. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I guess. Like, some of these movies, I think the pure cheese part of it, I think, translates from the fact that, like, these filmmakers were literally just people who, you know, grabbed a camera and ran with it and just made movies. Like, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of them didn't even have super formal training. They were just like, hey, we see the movies are making good money. Like, you know, and that's how Friday the 13th got started. It was basically, you know, uh, Sean Cunningham, he didn't really like, he wasn't the biggest filmmaker. In fact, most of the movies he had made before that were complete duds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's just decided to make money. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, yeah, not everyone's going to be a Steven Spielberg or anything else like that. But, you know, I think with a case of like this, it's like, yeah, th- these movies are, are quote-unquote cheesy, but I think it came more from the more commercial focus of making movies from that time, which nowadays, I mean, yeah, people still are in it to make money, but I think it's more of a balance between making something that actually is a decent movie and still finding a way to make a good profit from it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Marvel. Those those just keep coming out, and, like, they're decent movies. They're probably not the greatest movies you're going to see all year, but they're good movies that manage to, like, continuously make decent money at the box office. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, best line in this movie. There was a... eat him, eat him, crunch, crunch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, this was definitely a uh, Michael Moriarty special. That's for sure. Yeah, I think almost everything I wrote down was from him. Um, yeah, stick it in your brain, your tiny little brain. Like, okay. <laughs> Uh, and then also to like go away evil dream like just you could tell somebody didn't do a Passover on the script at all which is probably why the movie is what it is um, yeah yeah I'm trying to think what is next best performance I mean it's gotta be Michael right yeah oh well, for sure Definitely not David Carradine, who fucking limps through this entire film. Yeah, and Richard Roundtree's more subdued than I would like to see him. Like, I kind of thought he, he would be a little bit more exciting. Yeah, and he's just there to look skeptical, like, especially that scene where he's, like, lurking outside the, the restaurant where where um, Carradine and, and, and Moriarty are t- talking. Mm-hmm. There's just so much weirdness. There's so much cut around shit in this movie that it's just odd. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Although, I do also like uh, Candy Carpenter, and she later showed up in the movie Zodiac, which is my favorite yep. movie of all time. So Absolutely. Um, so, I did like her as well, uh, although she doesn't hold a candle to Michael. I'm sorry. No. Michael just steals the show. Absolutely. And he, he, he starts out he starts out at 11 and never dips. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Best kill. I want the window cleaner. Just yeah. It was like so sudden and he just cut to this headless guy hanging out by the window. I don't know. I thought that was... I do like that the sunbather basically gets rained on everybody for the next four or five minutes. <laughs> They're like, what's this? Right? Yeah, that was great. Um, dumbest decision. Ugh. Um, those two thugs that that um, Jimmy sends up into the nest, like you're both fucking morons. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me it's also too like there's that second egg. And it's like nobody thought to just do a thorough search of the city to see if there was a yeah. egg. They're like, not nope, found the one, we're good. Like, no. Um, okay. Uh, I decided to score this movie. And I know your score is going to be quite low. But what did you, yeah. what did you give it a score of? I'm going to give this one a 3 out of 10. Okay. It's just, it's not even enjoyable schlock. It was just... I, I felt the work this time. Yeah. Um, I'll give it 5 out of 10. It's okay. Cool. Uh, let's see. What did Taylor give this? Because she did tell me that she rated the movies on Letterboxd. Oh, she gave it 7 out of 10. Wow. See... Wow, I mean, she didn't, she, 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 yeah, she scored the stuff below this. I am really going to have to talk to her about this, because I'm so curious now. I'm so, because those, those ratings are so very curious. Yeah. Okay, well, she'll be on next episode. We can, we can ask her about it. Uh, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Steeple Dead. I'm also uh, on Letterboxd, I believe, under the same. Uh, my website is stevestebbing.ca, and you can also check me out on uh, The Shift with Shane Hewitt every Thursday at 11 p.m. Pacific time. Nice. Uh, yeah. Oh, I should mention Taylor uh, Cersei Anik on Twitter. That's where she posts things if she's going to post, even though she doesn't post a lot by her own admission, but um, yeah. Uh, I'm over at threegrinders.com where almost every other day I've got new content going up, and then also, of course, we've got uh, my stuff on the hashtag show, including my weekly predictions and review of every episode of The Last Drive-In. So, what was the last two? It was Night of the Living Dead and a movie which name I already forgot. It was like Arsophagus or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, Anthro... Anthropophagus. It was a wild movie. It was very boring for, like, mm-hmm. the first two acts, and then the third act just went insane, uh, including 
the cannibal eating a fetus out of a pregnant woman. So, <laughs> what, is it a movie we'll ever cover on here? Probably not. Uh, it was too inconsistent to be considered decent. But it was. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't say it was a waste of time. That's for sure. Especially with Joe Bob. And there's a cute little moment where um, they had another horror host kind of come out and meet Joe Bob for his 100th show. It was very cute and adorable because Joe Bob just was like so ecstatic to see this guy. I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. It was um, Sven Gulli, I think. But, well, yeah. Sven Gulli? Sven Gulli, that's it, yeah. So it was great. He popped out of a cake. Joe Bob was so excited. It was very cute and adorable. Yeah, because that's got to be a very nerd out moment to Sven Gulli for sure. And and to um, uh, Diana, uh, Diana, I guess she's Darcy on that show. Yeah. Yeah, Darcy she goes, the male girl. She goes by a few names, but yeah, I think it's Darcy most of the time. Um, but yeah, cool. And then uh, by the time you're hearing this, uh, I'm presumably will have reviewed Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Was it good? Was it bad? Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, until next time, everybody. We're, our next double feature is going to be Ghost Ship and Death Ship. So oh yeah, a ship double feature. Uh, we're going to see although I'm not looking forward to watching Death Ship at all <laughs> Ghost Ship I, I don't mind Death Ship that opening scene man yeah it's it's going to be something well until next time everybody bye for now